Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today my guest is Allison Page, president of Magnolia Network. It's the new TV home of lifestyle mavens Chip and Joanna Gaines. The channel launched this month as a joint venture between the Gaines and Discovery. Magnolia is a rare flower these days, indeed, as a linear cable launch actually a rebrand of Discovery's DIY channel. Paige is an HGTV and Food Network veteran who the Gaines turned to when they decided to expand from doing their own shows to curating a steady stream of content in the Magnolia spirit. The Gaines run a home design, media, and retail empire out of Waco, Texas. They became home renovation superstars through the HGTV series Fixer Upper, but they hit the pause button on TV nearly five years ago. Now they've spent the past three years working with Paige to launch their artisanally crafted cable channel. In the conversation, Paige explains how TV fits into the Gaines' thriving ecosystem, likening it to a cozy sweatshirt and a side of comfort food. That's all coming up after the break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. And we're back with more from Magnolia President Allison Page. Allison Page, President of Magnolia Network. Thank you so much for joining me today. From Knoxville, Tennessee, where you are snowed in, I understand. Yes, thank you for having me in this very exciting week. It's a, a great way to end the week. Why, at a time when the entire world is obsessed with streaming and on-demand and all kinds of new distribution channels, why was one of television's oldest now 
you know, old-fashioned cable television, why was it important for Magnolia to have that linear presence now? Well, I'd say it's so fascinating that the very first thing we talked about is the very last thing um, we got to launching uh, this week with the Linear Channel on, on uh, Wednesday the 5th. And those conversations started over three years ago. Um, and the idea seemed crazy then and perhaps even crazier now. And I think that actually was a piece of what spoke to Chip and Joe. They are um, they are interested in the less taken path and things that seem crazy um, and things that, that the average person would advise them against that makes them interested in trying. Um, and there was something and is something I think about this brand that felt like linear would be linear television would be a great home for it and it turned out to be one of the homes and ultimately what we want to do is make great programming that can can reach people in a lot of different places but this was the first place we talked about and, and again the last place we wound up um, finally launching and it and it feels great I can imagine what what was it like for you happy I know you have been in the discovery and Food Network HGTV world for a while. What was it like for you having been developing this for so long to be scrolling, scrolling through your, you know, th scrolling the, the old fashioned cable listings grid and seeing Magnolia as one of the offerings? It felt so exciting and it felt like this moment, there were points at which I wondered, are we actually going to get there? And I knew from the outset it might take a little longer than what we were talking about. It was like, oh, we could do this in a year, 18 months. And uh, having spent time at, at HGTV and food for, for years and years, it just, it takes a long time to develop great programming and make lots of episodes of it. Um, but no one could have predicted quite how long it would take. Um, so so I think there were, there were moments, I questioned what would happen on this platform, not questioning the idea of the network or the idea of this brand of programming, um, but wondering if, you know, when when we'd get, get back to this place. And, you know, it was really heartening. I actually got a few texts and calls from friends last night who were watching, uh, we premiered a show called The Lost Kitchen. And interestingly, these are friends that have Discovery Plus, but have not watched the show there. Um, I think linear television and certain channels, they're like a really comfortable sweatshirt that you reach for time and again, even if you have a lot of other beautiful options in your closet, you know it's gonna feel good and that's why it's a staple. And I think we gave a lot of people like a new cozy sweatshirt this week. <laughs> for sure, and in weather across the country, it was a good week to get a cozy sweatshirt. Yes, yes. For sure. Let's take a step back a little bit. And so Magnolia, the brand has been in development as a, as, as a you know, 24 seven kind of 360 television brand has been in development for about three years. And then mm -hmm. along with the Discovery Plus launch in January, 2021, not too long afterwards, you, the Magnolia imprint appeared there on that platform. Yes. And that's, and you started a, a feed of programming, but would you say that the the, the scale and the volume is has has risen now with the with the linear launch. Does having a twenty four seven linear channel have even more demand for content? Um, it absolutely has more demand, and that's also a reflection of why it came last in the order of things. Um, when you think of what conceptually is a network, 
in a streaming environment. I guess it's what you say it is. Um, and for us, it was ultimately what is a well-rounded group of shows um, that that expresses the depth and breadth of, of what we want to do. And really, July was when we felt like we had enough programming and enough complete seasons to put on what we call you know, a, a network. Um, at the same time, in streaming, you click through and find the show you want to watch. And that is a different responsibility than 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so recognizing what you know, 300 episodes or 300 hours of programming can get you across a year. You know, we had originally planned to launch in October of 2020 um, linear. And what we realized in the spring of 2020 when COVID hit was we actually had enough for day one. We had enough for maybe day five. We didn't have enough for probably day 15. Um, so it was, it was saying, you know, you start on day one in linear and you can't stack a, a bunch of programs together that are all premieres. You put on one episode of Fixer Up or Welcome Home and the next week you put the next episode and you can repeat the prior episode. But right. um, so with seven or eight or nine or 10, um, and I, I think uh, 10 or 12 programs premiering on linear within the first week, if those are half hour, hour long shows, you know, you do the math, you add that up, and that's that's a relatively small percentage of the entire schedule. So um, I think the network feels like Magnolia Network now, and part of that is uh, the strategy around promotion and advertising and branding. Um, but it's going to feel even more like Magnolia the further we get into it and the more shows that we get on. Um, so I'm. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about it in this season. As you said, I think this turned out to be a great week to launch. And as difficult as things are right now in so many ways, this feels like a place to turn for inspiration and ideas and hope and humor. Um, so I, I think we've we've got a good season ahead. Well, I think, you know, given I think Chip said it well that the, you know, it wasn't planned, but it's not coincidental that a network with this kind of message at this moment in time launched on January 5th, 2022, just as we went into trying to make sense of the one year anniversary of, you know, of just, of just one of the most heartbreaking things that this country yeah. has, has seen in its entire history. Um, I wanna ask you about something because I think it's so interesting for our times, when you say you knew you had enough for day one, maybe even day five, but not day 15, how, what's the math that you use to kind of figure that out? How do, how do you know how much programming is an, enough? Or on a linear sense, is it just simply like you see it on a grid and you realize you can't repeat that show that, that quickly? I would say I, I look at number of series and, and we look at number of episodes within that series. So traditionally, Cable and broadcasts often pick up in orders of 13 or 26. I think that uh, that rule's gone a little bit out the window. Um, and you see a lot of shows with, you know, six episodes or eight episodes or 10 episodes maybe in a season. I think you get under six and it's kind of hard to call it a, a series. Um, and so what I meant in terms of not day 15 is we had Restoration Road with Clint Harp in production and we had two shows that would be delivered by that time. And episode three, four, five, and six were delayed because of COVID. And so that's what I mean um, in the sense of we would not have a new 
premiere episode. And I think on linear in particular, you're putting a lot of marketing and, and heft, I think, behind launching these series. And you hope to create the expectation, I can come every Wednesday night at nine and see this show and see a new episode. And you can repeat that a number of places, but you don't wanna do all the work of getting people to that time period and, and then only give them you know, a few weeks of, of having it there. I think, um, I think that would have been really difficult. Is brand integration, is brand placement a significant component for the network? It really isn't. And I think that people expected that it would be um, maybe particularly in something like her cooking show, but Joanna has always had a real aversion to content that feels salesy. Um, so the connection is subtle and it, it requires, if someone wants to buy something, you have to go to the shop section and either the website or the app. And once you're there, the connection is very clear that you saw this in the show. Um, but if you're coming to watch, we don't assume you want to buy anything um, and we don't want you to feel like we're selling you hard on anything. We want you to have a pleasant experience watching what you're watching. And if you prove that you're interested and want to come around on the other side and, and buy something, we'll, we'll try to make that easy and fun um, and simple. But it's, it's not something you see overtly in the programming. Um, and I don't think you will because that's been true with them forever since i've known them <laughs> no zooming in on the brand logo none of that absolutely not let me ask you i know you that you have been you know you've been in cable for a long time is it is it is it different to launch a new something like you know something especially with the, the scope and the kind of the the you know brand promise going in with as a magnolia is it is it easier in any way or different to launch to do a relaunch you you are you know refitting the existing DIY network that was part of the Discovery family for a long time. Is that different than a wholly launch a channel from scratch? Or is it pretty much the same thing? You're just, because you're, you really are taking it down to the studs and the DIY a, net network was no yeah. more at once you flip the switch nine o'clock on January, 9 p.m. Eastern, January 5th on the Magnolia network. That is a good question. And when I look back historically, I think primarily you see rebrands in more recent years and not not too many in recent years. But, um, you know, when I look back to, to something like own um, being rebranded from Discovery Health, and I think they had a harder hill to climb in some ways, given the the real difference between what Discovery Health was as a brand and what own um, was going to be. And so the choice of DIY was was deliberate, um, not just from the size and scale of the network, but also from the nature of the content. And they aren't the same, but, you know, maybe they're, they're cousins. Um, and, and I think we learned a lot uh, from the discovery experience and deliberately looked at trying to create really a bridge. So we put repeats of Fixer Upper on Saturdays, you know, months ago when we started putting in um, some of Andrew Zimmern's library. He has a show with us called Family Dinner, which is new, but he has a lot of, of library content in, in the Discovery Library. So we started kind of seeding that on air. Um, we picked up new seasons of existing shows like uh, Main Cabin Masters or Barnwood Builders. So it was this idea of not having a light switch moment and could we kind of both carry an audience over and welcome a new audience. And when you said starting from scratch, I thought, well, gosh, what if, what if that was possible? 
And I guess I think it would look similar because what you'd basically be doing is building a network with X amount of new programming and then library and acquisition content. So you look within, you know, mm-hmm. discovery, whatever company you are, where, where there's, um, you know, very low cost or free programming and then acquisitions um, and then kind of placing your, your new shows. And again, that the, the percentage of that on the schedule will just increase and increase over time uh, with the kind of new Magnolia originals, but creating an environment that they seamlessly fit in from the get go um, involves some strategy and a lot of conversation and thought. Yeah, I mean, turning their, you know, turning their particular brand, their their ethos, if you will, into a, you know, into a curated network, a curated uh, stream of content and kind of, you know, like-minded, you know, artisans and craftspeople, uh, you know, no small challenge. And the Gaineses are interesting because they were, you know, they came up and were, just became red hot stars on HGTH. The Gaineses are, uh, sorry. The Gaines's story is so special because, of course, they came up and became Red Heart stars on HGTV and were just kind of going up, up and up. But we're like, as they were telling people, like, we're also business people and we're a family in Waco. And, and it, in 2017, they said that, you know, that they needed to tap the brakes and take a take a break from their TV career, which is, <laughs> is so stunning to so many people. But um, and so and I think at that time, that began a process of discussions with discovery about what would become as they took that break and come out Mm -hmm. now with an even, you know, a a curated network almost kind of in the own in the own model. Can you talk about what what as those conversations about coming back with something even with much bigger in scope? what What were the first things that were done? How did you start the process of developing what is now the Magnolia Network. Yeah, so as you mentioned in 2017, when they announced they they really wanted to take a break, um, it was really about a year between when when they told the network and when the conversations uh, with with and at that point the company was Scripps, um, and within a year later, you know, summer summer 17 and then summer 18. Um, is when we we started meetings and you know the the desire for a break was real and sincere and there were at that point a number of people knocking on the door which is no surprise uh, given the success that they'd had and they were open to taking meetings but not actively pursuing anything and I think it's as likely as not that they wouldn't have done it and I I think that lack of Oh, we got to be on TV is, is part of what's appealing about them, frankly. Um, and I think what was really interesting was a little less the idea of something built on Fixer Upper, and I'd say more the Magnolia Journal, probably, um, in that Fixer Upper represented one strand of the brand and obviously incredibly important and made a lot of other things possible. Um, but in terms of the breadth of the stories and, and the categories and nature of the content, you saw that pretty well reflected in Magnolia Journal at that time. So, you know, maybe not directly, but I think it was kind of indirectly one of the inspirations of what is a, a media entity that involves us, but is not 100% or, or even 50%, uh, you know, hosted by Chip and Joe. 
they were much more excited about telling other people's stories than their own. I mean, I think understanding that that there was a real interest in, and passion um, for their work, but I think they're particularly interested in the other stories. So I think a lot of uh, entities were coming at them, you know, what do you want to do with us? And this was, what do you want to build that we can help you build your vision beyond just you fixing up a house or designing a room? Um, so I think that was, uh, that got us the second meeting. <laughs> and, um, and then there were a lot more, a lot more following that. But um, the idea of building something that was beyond fixer. And as, as you might suspect, I think the audience at that point, uh, when first hearing about it, assumed this would be the fixer upper channel or HGTV light or DIY squared. And, and um, while again, there are elements of those things, it's, it's broader and it's uh, more multifaceted. Mm-hmm. And I understand that you spent some time in Waco really kind of soaking up the, soaking up all the, you know, the on the ground vibe there. I did when I um, left HGTV in 2018 to to kind of start this process with them. I I decided, you know, being on the ground uh, was important. So my kids and my husband, we moved to Waco for the summer. Um, and I think there's just something invaluable about walking the halls and having coffee um, with the the woman who works on social and the um, some of the writers for the magazine and integrating as much as possible because it is you know a singular brand with a lot of facets and i wanted it to feel as integrated as possible and i knew that the network would really benefit from all these voices all these experiences all these stories and and basically a lot of people who had worked closely with chip and joe for a long time so could could help us on a daily basis um, get a sense of what was on brand, what wasn't on brand. Um, because in some cases it wasn't as obvious as you might think on day one. And and we were tackling something so large. Would they like this cabin or not this cabin? Would they like this cook or that cook? Would they, you know, so so having a lot of time um, with that group was was I think helpful to me and, and helpful to our team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. And it's really hot in Waco in the summer. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. 
This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I can imagine probably as my kids remind me (laughs) probably an unforgettable summer for your family for sure it was next time I'm going in the winter (laughs) (laughs) I was curious how much is there a lot of coordination among the magazine and their social feeds and the television and their you know their their very active e-commerce business they are separate teams, but at the kind of leadership level, we are meeting on a, a I mean, talking on a daily basis. Um, so as you might imagine, the, the theme of a quarterly magazine um, ultimately can hopefully uh, correspond to some of what we're doing on air and, um, you know, items going on the menu at Magnolia Table in a certain season. It's it's such a seasonally driven brand. And I think that was probably true before the magazine, but in looking at the magazine coming out quarterly, I think Joanna gets a lot of inspiration from the seasons, from the change of season um, and kind of aligning that ethos uh, with the network, I, I think makes it all feel more cohesive. Don't touch that podcast dial. We'll be right back with more from Magnolia President Allison Page. And we're back with more from Magnolia President Allison Page. Back to the linear nature of now the new Magnolia. Um, I know from talking to Joe, it's really important to her. She feels like that this is an attempt to you know, with this content to to try to facilitate, foster some multi-generational co-viewing around the old-fashioned television set. Is that something that you guys are tracking? Is that a metric that's important to you for Magnolia Network? I'd say we're trying to reach the broadest audience possible. Um, you know, from an ad sales perspective, there's the, there's a real focus on adults 25 to 54, but I, I think Chip and Joe are more interested in, they're as interested in an 80-year-old as a 20-year-old as a five-year-old. Um, and I think they are interested in that multi-generational experience. And not only that, but I think having viewers leave feeling empowered and inspired and not drained and feeling that so much of consuming media can feel draining um, and that this be a place where maybe you take it literally or maybe you don't take it literally, but you watch a gardening show and, or a painting show, and, and we have a lot of that coming as well, um, that, that you'll go try something. And it sounds counterintuitive to hope someone turns off television and goes and does something, um, 
but I think that is the hope. And then hopefully you'll come back and want to watch something as well. Um, but that the idea we, we use the phrase sometimes time well spent. And I think that idea invites people in and it says there's value in big and small moments that we value your time. And if you give it to us, we'll do our best to make it meaningful. Um, and again, leave you you feeling hopeful and inspired. Would you say that in terms of just on a pure ad sales basis, would you say that doing business, are we kind of in a post ratings environment given that you know ratings are so fractional these days? As you sell Magnolia, are you really selling the brand, the environment, the you know for a certain advertiser, you know you just know it doesn't get better than than this couple and the world that they build. I, do you kind of sell it that way, or do you really are you still selling the 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 rating the you know the demo ratings as as small as they are these days? Um, some of both, but probably more of the latter. And I believe that the advertisers most interested in being here are interested in being part of it rather than um, a specific time frame or a specific show or a specific night, with perhaps the exception of Fixer Upper. Um, so I I do think there's interest in just being associated with the brand. We had advertisers who um, partnering with us who wanted to wait until January 5th versus January 4th or 3rd or 2nd. And, and you know, DIY was a, from an ad sales perspective, a very successful network given its its size um, and, you know, upscale and also family friendly. And, and uh, but there was, I think, given interest in Chip and Joe and Magnolia, um, that grew even higher and it had already been at a high place again for a network that is that is this size. Um, so we see people buying the network as much as uh, individual hours or programs. Mm -hmm. What is your sense about the kind of the, the bigger picture for the linear world? Do you, I mean, I you know, a lot of people are saying that there's like a maybe a five to 10 year time frame and it may be you know, the, the overall audience base might be down as into the 50s or 40 millions. Do you, is that your sense as a, you know, as an industry veteran? I think there's no question that that's the direction it's going. I don't purport to have an answer on when it would be. I probably would have given a different answer of what that was five years ago or three years ago or, or even a year ago. And I've, I've been really struck being given the opportunity to launch in streaming first and and I should say, we're very happy with the performance there and of nearly 3,000 titles on the platform of Discovery Plus. Fixer Upper and Magnolia Table were two of the top five of all programs on Discovery Plus last year. So um, I don't want to take anything away from something that is both critical, important, and a giant piece of the future. And 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 we know people are coming there. But I, but I do think the streaming environment has that burden of choice that is not there for linear where again you come in and turn it on and leave it on and so that's that's very exciting to me that that's one piece of what we get to do now and you're right the ratings are are smaller and smaller but as someone who hasn't had that daily report card for three years now i'm excited frankly um to there's so much to learn I think of it as listening to the audience reading the ratings every day and saying, I want to watch this show after this show and, and four episodes in a row is about right or six episodes. Mm -hmm. So there's um, there's 
a lot of art and science, I think, in linear television. And I've lived in, I guess, a world more of art for a while now. And I'm excited to balance those again because um, I'm I'm excited to bring people even more of what of what they turn out to love the most. How much do you coordinate the, the scheduling and timing among between how much do you plan to coordinate the scheduling and timing among the linear and the streaming? Do you try to consciously try to bring, you know, bring people from one to the other at a certain times or? I don't have the answer for that yet, but I think we'll have a better answer for you in three months. We're in a unique position in that we've premiered a, a good deal of programming since July in a streaming environment, all of which we want to get on linear. And we want to space out enough, as we said earlier, that I'm not putting four episodes of Restoration Road all premiered on a night. Um, so introducing week by week um, uh, individual episodes. At some point, we'll catch up. You know, we'll, we'll have put everything on that's there. We'll also in the meantime have premiered new shows, whether it's shows like Main Cabin Masters that have been there, or we have uh, acquisitions of French chefs starting next week and this old house and, um, but also new, you know, called the Magnolia Originals premiering on on linear, I think down the road and, and some um, simultaneous concurrent titles. So we've got a little bit of time um, to sort of catch up, if you will, and, also, we have the benefit um, of all of the other networks and discoveries portfolio having lived through this for a year of what does it mean to put, what series do you put on Discovery Plus first? What do you save for linear first? What can you do concurrent without, mm -hmm. without hurting either? And I'm truly, I'm excited to see what we can learn being in both platforms because I feel like we have some insight into one piece of the puzzle and now we're just, we're getting the other pieces put in so um and if if i'm good to share we got uh, i asked for ratings that came in 30 minutes before you before we got to talk today so we have two <laughs> this days just of ratings. this just in um which is that uh, magnolia ranked as a top 25 cable network on wednesday we were number 23 um and just first comparison to put that in some context diy finished 2021 is the number 62 cable network so that gives some some idea of moving from 62 to 23. Um, we also well, the, among- I was gonna sorry. say the two of them together have about 20 million social media followers. So that yes, does count that, for something. That <laughs> sorry, does, it helped. No, no, it helped. Um, for all viewers 18 plus, we were uh, top 10 cable network for the night. Um, and then last night, which was also encouraging, Lost Kitchen um, premiered to ratings that were three times as high as the prior six, six week average for the Thursday 9 p.m. time period. Um, and Thursday night was up the whole night, uh, more than 250% over the prior six weeks. So very early days, don't wanna get ahead of ourselves, but having that data coming in um, you know, overnight is, is exciting, encouraging, and again, feels like the, the piece we didn't yet have and getting to put that um, against both performance on Discovery Plus and, and the app um, and adding it in is, is we see the bigger picture, we reach the broadest audience possible. Um, and I think then we start to build a strategy around what goes where, when. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a, lot, and a lot of opportunity. You've got a lot of real estate for experimentation. Yes. Are there international iterations of Magnolia coming? Of course, Discovery Plus is a global, is you know destined to be a global platform. Yes, it is in the process of, of um, 
being in lots of places, it's interesting. We get a lot of consumer uh, questions and demand, particularly from Canada, the UK, Australia. Um, and we Discovery Plus now is in Canada and Brazil and the UK and a number of other markets. And um, you see that largely for us, the visibility is really on, on social um, and even customer service where people are writing in and calling in and saying like, I wanna see this content and I'm excited. I don't know how to anticipate what we'll do where, seeing, seeing how important kind of local programming is in different markets. But also thinking, I, I think we have a lot of stuff that um, that will be will be consumed and loved um, in lots of different places, and and we've seen some of that just with uh, Fixer Upper and other home and food programming um, that's that's been distributed around the world by Discovery for for quite a while. Allison, let me ask you one personal question: What yeah. was it? Uh, to, what was? What would you say? Look back in your career. What was the breakthrough moment, or the 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 job, or the experience that got you to where you are now? I would say it was being a broadcast associate at CBS News Sunday Morning. I had been at a different part of CBS. Um, and news productions, which which made programming largely for cable, and I enjoyed that too. Um, but Sunday morning was the first staff job that I had, um, so it was exciting to get health benefits. And mm -hmm. and uh, and more than that, I just I loved the show, and I realized I'm in the right place there. And what I mean by that is positive programming that inspires and makes you feel warm and fuzzy and um, just a lot of smart people and a really big range of, of, of kinds of stories. And I got a call in uh, 2001 about a job at Food Network, which I wasn't looking to move. But at the same time, I will, I'll say those Saturday nights and Sunday mornings at 4 a.m. I mean, those are um, tough. And I thought I could do this for a while, but I don't know if I want to do it in 20 years and maybe I should try this. Mm -hmm. And I got to Food Network and um, September 11th happened about a month and a half later. And um, I came in to work that day and I had this feeling of what am I doing? I think I'm supposed to be at news and, and kind of out doing more. You know, people went home at five o'clock and um, it was a different environment. And I remember next week reading some, we actually got letters, some letters at the time of people feeling such appreciation for the comfort food, um, if you will, that Food Network was providing and essentially putting on a different pair of glasses for myself and realizing this was a good fit for me too. And then same with HGTV and in, and in some ways, Magnolia for me feels a little bit like, uh, like Sunday morning did just such a, a broad range of, I just, I love hearing how much people love it and the inspiration and joy and warmth it gives to them and, and realize that there's a lot of kind of programming um, that is a good fit for me, but uh, that, that really was born at, at Sunday morning. Allison Page, thank you so much for taking time out from launching a network to talk to us about one of my favorite subjects, Magnolia and the, the, the good world that comfort food television can mean and bring to people. I am a, I am a devoted practitioner and I really appreciate your time and all, and all your good work over the years. Thank you, Cynthia. This has been so much fun.
Thanks for listening. Please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Vosh at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com slash build.